In this month's episode of Table Tennis Talk, we finally see the return of international table tennis competition with the Women's and Men's World Cups. There is a ton to dig into with both of these monster tournaments like surprise upsets and new techniques. Just make sure you've been practicing your serves because these group matches are tough. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Table Tennis Talk. This is the November 2020 episode. I can't believe we made it this far. My name is Ryan Lewis, and I'm here with Joey Cochran. How's it going, Joey? Hey, Ryan. How you doing? We made it. We, we're almost to the end of 2020. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then the sequel comes out, 2021. Yeah. Sequels are always... Uh, I feel like they're usually worse, but since 2020 was bad, then 2021 would have to be less bad, right? I hope you're Isn't right. Isn't that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, 2020 has been a crappy year, but I I don't know. I've I've actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> the, yeah. the time spent with, I don't know, my family and yeah, you did away have a from lot everybody. Of good things. <laughs> yeah, you had a lot of good things this year. Yeah. It's kind of worked out perfectly for us, but... Um, yeah. I mean, there's all it's like lots of bad stuff too. So, I don't know. For sure. I'm I'm ready for for the holidays. I'm ready for 2021 to see what it brings. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. better uh, better news, more traveling. Yeah. Well, we are in the middle of this month. I I kind of didn't realize it in our last episode, but I I was looking at my calendar. I have this wall calendar which I update every month with things that are going on, and like I was looking at the calendar, I was realizing. We have four huge tournaments this month. Like that doesn't even happen on normal years. And so we are in the middle. Uh, we The men's World Cup just wrapped up last night. And so um, that's cool. That's really cool. The World Cup, yeah, was awesome. Um, I, 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 had, there was, I think, I mean, probably everybody, but for me, I had a lot of anticipation leading up to it, which sometimes yeah. makes it like, maybe a little bit of a letdown when it happens, but sure. it was awesome to see and to watch and so many good matches, uh, a lot to talk about with it. Um, definitely. Yeah, it was definitely a really exciting tournament and like the perfect, uh, the perfect restart to table tennis, in my opinion. For sure. Yeah. Some of the best matches of almost any year we got to see. Yeah. But- just incredible. We'll talk more about that. Uh, let's talk about uh, how your month's been. How was November for you? Uh, it's been good. It's been um, very exhausting. So the <laughs> the the sleep thing with the babies is is real. So um, oh, okay. the the lack of sleep has been catching up to me a little bit. Um, <laughs> for the most part, I'd say that Liam sleeps pretty well, but. It's still, I mean, definitely at least getting up a couple times in the night and it, mm. it catches up to you. So it caught up to me a little bit this month. Um, it overall was a good month. I, uh, I'm still beating my wife in our, our, in our bet. So thanks to oh, our nice. podcast, uh, fan base helping me out there. Um, got when, when does the, when does it end? December 31st. So whoever's okay, up, till the end of the year. Yeah. End of the year. I got five bucks riding on it, so 
Dang. Big well, money. then you can you can afford to spend at least five dollars in promotion for your uh, <laughs> yeah. for your channel. Yeah, <laughs> you spend more than that, then it then you then you just lost money. So, if it makes me win, then I will I will do that. It's worth it. Okay. Maybe I'll spend four dollars, <laughs> so that way I'll be up go. a buck, and I'll hopefully that'll put me make me the winner. <laughs> you can buy something off a ninety nine cent menu. Yes, McChicken, <laughs> spicy McChicken. Those things are where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> How's your month been? Uh, it has also been busy. Um, I think I've probably got a little more sleep than you. I can imagine. I hope so. I hope so. With no child at home. I did a, a very um, ambitious or drastic thing. Um, so at my office, we have um, there's a couple other units, and we had a tenant uh, move in downstairs. And I realized that the sound dampening between floors is actually really bad. Oh, man. Um, because before there was a tenant that rented the place but never came in. And so I jammed my music really loud. <laughs> um, and so I didn't even think it was that loud, but, you know, apparently it's pretty loud. And so they, like the first week they complained and I was like, oh, man. So I got to turn my music down and then. I can also hear them when they're talking, so that's kind of distracting. Shoot. Yeah, especially if you're recording and stuff for your for your classes. Yep. The recording it doesn't it doesn't filter into the recording, but it's just like if I'm sitting here working on something and I can hear somebody kind of talking and I know it's not I don't know, I'm just so used to working on stuff in kind of peace and silence. Mm. And so I change I was I was coming to the office Monday through Friday and it doesn't really matter what day or time that I'm actually working. So I flipped my schedule to a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday week. And I just work four days and do like close to 10 hour days. And then I have most of the week off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off. So that's cool. I like that. Yeah. So then at least like half my week I'm here alone and there's no one else here. I can't hear anybody, you know, um, anybody's kids smacking against desks and crying. <laughs> like um, and uh, Friday, usually nobody's here anyways, because people work from home on Fridays. So really, Monday is the only day where, where people are actually in the office. So mm. um, I've done it for a couple of weeks, and it's worked pretty good. Uh, back in college, when I was going to, um, when I was having to go to classes and work a full-time job, I did this same schedule. And it enabled me to like take classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays all day. and um, I don't know. I liked it then and, and I seem to like it now. So that's cool. I, I, you, so when college you took Tuesday, Thursday classes, I was pretty much primarily, I did yeah. the same thing. Actually, I loved, I loved that schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and then I keep also, playing ping pong. <laughs> yeah. I, I also watched this show uh, on Netflix called The Queen's Gambit. Have you heard of this? I have heard of it. I haven't seen it. I, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay, I think I've seen some like ads because like on the screensaver when they show like the ads for featured sure. content. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen Queen's Gambit up there, but I haven't watched the show. It is so good. It is like maybe maybe my favorite show of 2020. Like it's so Better good. Than Tiger it's, King. Yeah, I mean Tiger King was okay, <laughs> but Tiger King was a little like 
I don't know. Redneck. I don't I don't know that yeah, I don't know that I would watch Tiger King again. Okay. <laughs> Whereas like I would I could see myself watching this again. So it's about this young uh, orphan girl who learns to play chess oh. from the janitor. Yes, I have I've definitely seen previews for this, yeah. Okay. So she learns to play chess. She <laughs> they um at the orphanage, they give her tranquilizers. Um, they give everyone tranquilizers, the kids, I guess, to just keep them calm. So she becomes addicted. And like when she's on these tranquilizers, she's able to kind of like visualize, like play chess games in her head. And so um, she becomes really, really good. She ends up beating the janitor pretty easily. He brings somebody from his chess group. She just knocks him out as well. Um, and then once she gets adopted, then she starts playing in tournaments and beating everyone. And, and it's kind of like her rise to the top. Um, and is it a TV show or is it a movie? TV show. It's uh, a seven, six or seven episodes. Interesting. I was, I was thinking it was a a movie, but that's cool. I I actually, I prefer the shows because I can break it up a little more. Right. Right. And I think one of the things like when I was looking back on it that really um, was interesting is is how almost like how easily it could have been a show about ping pong because in a lot of ways, chess is like ping pong. Like it's very strategic. It's one person versus another person. There's tons of like preparation and planning and training, but it's like most sports are team sports, right? Most sports mm-hmm. other than maybe like boxing or tennis are like team sports that are popular. And so this show kind of about a, a type of sport that is like focused on a single person. I could see it like being um, like a show about uh, ping pong and, and in chess, especially at the time period of the show, Russia was like the completely dominant um, country, uh, just like China is dominant here. And so it was like she was learning Russian, so she would be able to like kind of communicate. And she like kind of like going to Russia and playing was like the holy grail. Is in it a based way on a that, true story? I I wish, but no, <laughs> it's oh, okay. based on a novel. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, funny fiction. you mention it's like the similarities between chess and table tennis. Cause I've always called table tennis like physical chess because it's, it's so strategic. There are always things that are changing. You have to, you have to adjust your strategies based on your opponent's strategies. And then as you adjust and they adjust, then you have to readjust. And it's, Absolutely. it's, it's really, and it's all physical. So it's, it's really pretty close to, to chess as far as strategy. And it's interesting. You, you, you made the comparison as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm holding out hope that maybe uh, maybe somebody thinks that there would be it would be cool to have a, a ping pong show because that would be that would be awesome. Um, More than just like the the anime. <laughs> yeah, I'd love yeah. or uh, ping pong summer or <laughs> some of those other movies. <laughs> yeah, Balls of Fury. Well, well cool. Okay, so um, let's talk about uh there's a lot that's happened this month but there are some upcoming events um there's the world table tennis macau uh tell me about this this is gonna be the end of the month yeah so november 25th to 29th there isn't like a whole lot of information on it um but it's an invite only tournament so and they don't they haven't listed the players who are invited Uh, not none at all 
I none. I haven't seen any players on the list. So it's like in um, two months or two weeks. Yeah, it's coming. I'm guessing they'll probably maybe they have now that the World Cup is over. But I wonder if the World Cup might have played into it. But it's huge. So oh, okay, yeah. It's it's got four hundred thousand dollars of prize money, which is more than I've ever heard of at a table wow. tennis tournament. Yeah. So almost half a million bucks. Uh, there's a fifteen thousand dollar appearance fee. So if you show up, they're giving you fifteen thousand dollars. What? And then uh, every the beginning matches, um, you get twenty five hundred dollars per match that you win. Wow. Um, if you go undefeated throughout the whole tournament, you get a ten thousand dollar bonus. And then depending on the round, you get more money. So like the the quarterfinals is going to make you more than the rounds prior. The semis is going to make you more than the quarters and then the finals. So, but I it's I don't think it's just like a single elimination tournament because. Oh. If it was, then someone will be undefeated at the end of it, no matter what, right? Because otherwise, yeah. you couldn't win. Um, right. But it's it's just kind of like a crazy tournament. I, I've I it just kind of popped up, and it, it's going to be pretty big. I think. I mean, there's tons of money. Um, That's cool. I did some research on Macau because I'd never heard of it. It's yeah. it's considered like the Las Vegas of Asia. So it's got. <laughs> I'm sure there's tons of casinos there and. There's probably a lot of hype around it. Um, it used to be like a Portuguese colony until oh, recently, 1999. Okay. So they speak Portuguese there. Dang. And there's some like mixture of Chinese and Portuguese, I guess. Like I was doing all kinds of research because I was just like pretty enthralled by the whole idea of it. Right. Um, I guess they speak a lot of English. It's, it's not like it's in China, but it's not like I guess it's part of China now because China kind of takes over everything. But they, right. uh, it's like until 1999 it wasn't part of china though so um yeah just kind of interesting and i don't know i'm excited to see who's playing and what the format is but it's gonna be awesome there's gonna be so much money that i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of uh yeah a lot of enthusiasm for the players i mean in in this it this is the first uh world table tennis event right i believe so yeah it's like the first world table tennis that you've been seeing all over ads and stuff for on ITTF and at tournaments and stuff. Yeah. That's cool. So hopefully we'll, we'll be able to see, I mean, this will be kind of like a sneak preview for what next year will look like. And, uh, I mean, if they're, if they're doling out this much prize money for each one of these world table tennis events, I mean, I think that's going to have a, a big effect. I mean, like, you know, cause if, if, if you're paying for, I mean, if you're, if you think of like, you know, any of the U S players, if you're playing in a few of these a year, um, you know, the appearance fee plus any matches you would want, you start to get to a point where it's a livable wage. Right. Um, exactly. And that's what it needs to be, at least for U S players. Cause it's, it's yeah. so hard for Americans to make a living on table tennis, but if you can make $15,000 appearance fees at yeah. three or four tournaments a year, plus more then you're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, with that and sponsorships, I would see. I would imagine that you know it would start to be pretty reasonable. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Plus, they're playing in the leagues and stuff like that. So, um, hopefully, they're making some money there. These are just the tournaments, yeah. the big ones. Right. I was thinking that with the um, with them speaking uh, Portuguese in Macau, uh, Hugo Calderano would uh, be pretty at home. Yeah, totally. Um, it's like the one place in China he would be pretty comfortable, unless he speaks Chinese, which maybe he would. But I, I it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, cool. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, did did it mention anything about like how we can watch it? 
I didn't see anything. I would I would hope that it's on ITTF's website. Um, the, the I mean the stream of it because maybe Adam Bobro will be there, but um, <laughs> to to commentate. But I I haven't seen anything for for watching or streaming. Yeah, that's one of the things because with the uh, with the World Cup, it it trying to watch it on ITTF's streaming website was it it re it, it kind of re revived all of the angsty feelings I have about ITTF's like streaming um, strategy. Like you know their their site it it does okay, but it's not. I mean, it's just so hard to watch and. Um, I was really hoping that they would uh, put it on YouTube like they did with the Chinese nationals um, last month. And they, they didn't, they just kept it on, on their streaming site. So, so a lot of the matches are on YouTube, but they're edited down. So if you want like the full matches with all of the commentary and everything, I think those are, you have to watch on ITTF, but yeah. the next day after, um, a lot of the matches were like just showed the points or the major points um, with the cuts in between, which sometimes is nicer to watch. Actually, depending on the match, I actually prefer to watch it that way. But I also have a yeah. hard time not looking up who won <laughs> beforehand. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, that's it, it's better for me to watch them live just because I it's a little more exciting. Exactly. Exactly. I love watching it live because it it feels like you are like kind of on the um on the the path with these players and you you don't know what's going to happen you can't know and mm-hmm. um even though yeah yeah when you're watching matches to kind of like analyze them or just kind of enjoy them in a different way i do like the edits too the other thing is with the edits like if i don't go and look beforehand um i'll know that it's like okay well this is like a seven minute edit so Uh, I I can tell, okay, it's probably going to be like six games or five games. So if someone gets up, it's like, okay, well, this person's going to win. Like I I just, I don't know. I can, I can tell even if I don't look. So yeah, the live is always better for me. Yeah. So let's get into the world cup. So let's start with the women's world cup. It happened at the beginning of the month and, um, it was, uh, pretty impressive. A few, a few of the thoughts that I had, um, it seemed like everybody had been working on their serves. I saw a lot of uh, new serves from players that I'd never really seen before. Um, and I thought that was, uh, I mean, it makes sense. You know, this is kind of, this was one of the first um, international people, matches in what, like seven months? Eight yeah, months and training's before. been hard. So people have been in lockdown and what better way to practice than getting a box of balls out to practice your serves. Yeah. They were they were probably watching my YouTube videos, but absolutely, um, yeah. I saw a lot of re- reverse windshield wipers. And yeah. like that. that one's coming out next. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that was cool. Um, you know, I think uh, Mima Ito. Um, you had texted me like middle of the yeah. World Cup, and her yeah. serves are like just so good like i i'm i'm watching them i'm like i'm making yeah. my own reads on them and i'm completely wrong like every time and i think i mean you you were mentioning new serves there were serves that she was doing that i, I hadn't seen before like just the the motion and the way she was positioned right. like so good um i yeah that was awesome yeah to her, watch her, her serves specifically really reminded me of like ding ning serves 
Not like the I specific had the same kind. thought actually. Yeah. But yeah, ours. like there was a lot of like I feel like there was a lot of ex- extraneous movements that I would only imagine are added to kind of um make them harder to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes the movements will help get your the the motion, the um, motion. like the yeah. racket speed to move faster. So a lot of it, it depends. Some serves might be for like deception and what some serves might be for the actual the actual motion of it. So yeah. <laughs> which is even yeah, more deceiving. It's it's nice. I feel like I feel like I really appreciate it when players have kind of like signature serves that nobody else really does. Um, like Ding Ning's uh, reverse tomahawk and um, Kenta Matsudaira, his his weird like tomahawk, but he like moves his head when he does it. <laughs> like, I mean, like Kenta's I, I serves love are, my, are still my favorite serves in the world. Those are yeah, yeah just awesome. I love them. I love when when players have these signature serves, and so I think I think Mimito now has. I think she has two. Like one is like the shovel serve where she reaches kind of all the way around her body with her racket before mm-hmm. she does it. And then there was another one that I, I can't quite remember right now, but she did a, a bunch of movements with her racket before she actually um, hit the ball. And yeah. Have you cool. ever noticed, I, I was noticing this at this specific World Cup, how tiny Mima Ito's hands are when she holds the ball the ball is almost <laughs> the same size as her hand <laughs> like, I have not noticed that you'll have to you'll have to watch for that <laughs> I'll probably never be able to not notice anymore it's it's like so, I don't know another thing I noticed was other than a few uh you know outliers most of the players weren't wearing uh country jerseys so they weren't wearing jerseys of their like country team which i found kind of surprising that is kind of weird specifically um uh specifically lily Zhang and wu yu weren't wearing like that normal usa diamond wipes jersey uh they had uh yola uh jerseys yeah um, they had the yola and just like a little teeny flag on the shoulder and that was pretty much it which is kind of weird yeah i'm, I'm guessing that the diamond wipes sponsorship is over and um but it seems it still seems a little weird i don't know yeah uh i i remember when i was on the u.s team each year we got new jerseys um and we would get like i don't know 10 shirts or something like that and a bunch of shorts and tracksuit and you would wear those for the year so i wonder yeah maybe the diamond wipes stuff maybe they're maybe their sponsorship ended in 2020. We just haven't seen any real tournaments going on with international players. So yeah, it was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, or maybe they renegotiated because there weren't any tournaments for them, for people to really be playing in. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're on hold or I don't know. Yeah. It was kind of weird to see that though. I, uh, yeah. It, yeah. You can still kind of tell like just the colors, like the, the, like the Ukrainians, have, their colors is like a, a very Ukrainian colored shirt, like the, based on their flag. And <laughs> like the U.S. usually has either red, white or blue. Um, yeah. And you can kind of tell anyway, but it's still like without USA on your back or, or a flag or whatever. It's just, yeah, it's kind of odd. Seems weird. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, let's talk about some of the moments that uh, stand out. Um, I think you had some thoughts on a match. 
Yeah, so lots of matches. <laughs> Let's start with Lily. She beat Adriana Diaz in the group uh, from Puerto Rico, and then she also beat Mo Zhang from Canada, which you don't really hear a whole lot about Mo, but she's really, really good. Um, had a mm. close match with Lily. I think it was four to three. Yeah. And then in the single elimination, Lily beat Feng Chen Wei from Singapore, which I think she's like in the top 10 in the world. Really good win. She won four to yeah. two and looked, it wasn't like a close, it was four to two, but it, it looked really, really dominant for Lily. Like yeah. uh, Feng sort of came back a little bit, um, but it didn't really look very close. Um, it could have easily been a four zero, just, um, just straight, straight, straight games in the win. But, yeah. and then after that, she played number one in the world, uh, <laughs> Chen Meng. And Lily looked dominant in that one, too. For the first game, she she totally outplayed her. And then halfway through the second game, she was just playing really well, outplaying her. And then uh, Feng, or Chen Meng changed up her strategy and then just destroyed Lily. It was, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was almost like a light switch went off. And you could see the technique change in uh, Cheng Meng's game where nobody ever beats Lily on the backhand. Lily's backhand is just so good. But yeah. uh, Cheng Meng started moving Lily out to her forehand, and it opened mm-hmm. up her backhand. And she started beating her on the backhand. And if you can beat Lily on the backhand, like you're winning that match. So that's really mm-hmm. what happened. And it was kind of... I don't know. Um, it was kind of disappointing, I guess, to see it, but it looked like Lily's physical wasn't quite there where she looked mm. kind of slow, especially moving out to the forehand. I think if her physical was maybe a little bit stronger, she would have been able to cover that forehand better and then she wouldn't have been so exposed on the backhand. And um, yeah, just I, I hopefully she can uh, – make up for that and beat the yeah, number one sure. next time. <laughs> Cause yeah. I, I think Chen Meng actually ended up winning the whole thing. So if yep. you're going to lose, I mean, they always say you want to lose to the winner. So yeah, that's yeah. what she did. <laughs> it's funny that, uh, uh, Adriana Diaz also, when she came out of the groups, her first, um, match and round of 16 with, was, um, Sun Ying who, uh, also made it to the finals and lost to Chen Meng. So, Oh, okay, um, those two. That that group was a tough group to be in then, because you're coming <laughs> yeah. out with against playing against either a number one or number two. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but I mean, Lily was. I mean, she was. She was very impressive um, in this. And and last year, if you can, um, if listeners can remember, she made it to the semifinals of the Women's World Cup, which was a, a huge deal. So even making it to the quarterfinals is a is um, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a really good result. the The World Cup is is like a just a, such a tough tournament to win because you're taking like just the best players. It's an invite only, not invite. You have to qualify for it, and you have to have right. basically one tournaments around the world in order to play in it. So every single player in this has really strong results on the world stage. Yeah. And um, this year, the kind of so Lily was kind of the breakout uh, hit from last year, making it all the way to the semis. But this year was Han Ying uh, from Germany. Um, she, I've seen her in tournaments. I've never really paid attention to her. First of all, she's a chopper. Um, she's number twenty-five in the world, and I believe she is older. I think she's in her late thirties. Wow. Um, She's been playing, yeah, she's in her late 30s. She's actually the same age as uh, Timo Boll. 
Um, they must be good buddies. Uh, she, uh, she used to be for three or four years, um, like in the mid 2010s, she was in the top 10. Um, and then kind of ever since then, she's kind of, you know, been around the, the thirties. Uh, and so she really must have just been practicing so much, uh, during quarantine to kind of really come out and, and perform so well. She made it, uh, to the semifinals uh, she played against uh, Chun Meng, and she actually took Chun Meng to seven games, Dang. which up until that point, Chun Meng hadn't lost a single game. She played against Bernadette Sox. <laughs> she played against Lily Zhang, and then she only lost when she played against Han Ying. So that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Another thing that I noticed was it seemed like it seemed like the the matches were almost like a higher level play than usual. Like it seemed like they were more people were really playing their best. And um, it felt like the the matches were going to longer games because there was more uh, people winning back and forth. And so I did a little uh, sleuthing math. And um, in 2019, uh, only 10 matches went to six or seven games. But in 2020, 16 matches went to six or seven wow. games. Wow. That's which is cool. A, <laughs> yeah. Which is a... a considerable change and i feel like um i feel like that was a result of players uh really coming out and just being so um psyched to be playing again and ready to kind of do their best yeah that's that's actually a pretty cool statistic i that's i'm glad you did that <laughs> <laughs> well i felt like when i was watching it live i felt i felt like man there's a lot of games going to like you know, really kind of like back and forth games, which are, or which are very fun to watch add to the anticipation. But I was like, is that, is it just a perception? Cause I haven't seen um, live, live ping pong for, you know, seven months or is it um, reality? And, and turns that's out interesting. The, I wonder, yeah, I, the math I wonder, checks out. The math checks out. I wonder <laughs> if they're like, everyone's just so rested and like you said, maybe just and like ready to play and ready to just give it all. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, that's, I wonder what what it was that contributed. Maybe it's just luck for the viewers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's cool, though. That's neat. Yeah. Another one of the changes for anyone watching uh, the uh, either the Women's or the Men's World Cup is um, a different voice than usual. Um, our good friend Adam Bobro was not um, was not there. Instead, we had uh, Wang Dong who is, um, I guess, a Chinese announcer. Um, and he provided um, the uh, announcing for table one and then the, the semis and the finals. And um, well, there I, were also I a think, lot of players for, at least yeah. for the, the men's. I didn't hear any for the women's World Cup. Right. But for the men's World Cup, there were a lot of players who helped with the commentary as well. So, and I had right. actually talked to Adam. Um, he was really hoping to go. And I think there were some issues with his visa or something, which oh, yeah. he was really just disappointed that he wasn't able to make it. And I think a lot of viewers out there were also pretty disappointed. Um, but yeah, it sounded like that, the, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think that the, the people who did the commentary did a pretty good job for the most part. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was usually when Adam's not commentating, um, I usually don't really like whoever is taking his place. Um, but this was this was actually pretty good. 
Um, so I think this was a, a good replacement. I, I feel like for the for the World Cups, you have to have someone good. So um, they they pick someone good. I also heard that uh, because all of the players were going into the like the Chinese bubble where they weren't, um, you know, where they were completely quarantined. That um, I'm I'm assuming Wang Dong is a Chinese national, and so it was much easier for him to come and commentate it than to get um, Adam to come do it with the visas and the, the quarantine and all of the stuff that that would entail. So. Oh, yeah. That's probably a good point. It was kind of weird. I I wonder if they had already kind of um, signed with Wang Dong to have him be there because only one table was had any commentary, only table one. So yeah. I would like to see in the future, and that, I've seen that in the past, a lot of tournaments where they'll only commentate on one table, but I wonder if they right. had um, scheduled to have Adam on table one and then Wang Dong on table two, something like that. But because oh. only half the matches had commentary, which is, it's really, it just makes it so much better with any sport or anything that you're watching. It's, you need that commentary to, to really bring the viewers into it. Um, right. They bring a lot of insights and just makes it more entertaining to watch. So I wonder if they had uh, originally planned to have both tables, but then when the visas didn't really work out, then they only had one. Yeah. I noticed that the, the camera quality was also not as good on table two. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And normally table one is what they like televised. So um, hopefully they kind of with world table tennis, they fix that. Even though I know some of the um, tournaments with world table tennis are not going to, they're not going to be any uh, overlapping matches, oh. uh, which will be nice. That is good. Cause yeah. I mean, a lot of times I'll be watching a tournament and someone will be playing on table three or something like that. It's like, yeah. well, I want to watch it. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, This is gonna, like an amazing match and I see the results and I see the scores coming in with the live score updates, but it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be disappointing. A lot of times like Kanak will be playing on, on not table one or table two and can't sure. really watch him. So yeah, well let's, let's move on and talk about the men's world cup. One of the, even in the group stage, so for the Men's World Cup, uh, had most of the people you expect. Um, a few were missing, like Timo Boll wasn't there. Um, I think uh, Patrick Francisca took his place. Um, yeah, I think each country is limited to two players. So yeah, uh, Germany had Patrick Francisca and then Oftrov, So Yeah, yeah. Um, so Kanak Jaw was there and played um, and did... Really good, but he had such a tough group. Um, he didn't make it out of the group stages. Uh, you know, I my son's namesake, <laughs> Liam Pitchford, totally yeah. let me down. Not only did he beat Kanak out of the competition, <laughs> um, the lone American, but then he lost a close one to Oftrov. So it, it was, I mean, I like Oftrov. I like, he's probably my one of my favorite players, but I was hoping that Pitchford would win so i guess i'm probably gonna have to rename liam to either kanak or dimitri now so <laughs> i think you should i think you should rename your child <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah kanak's group man so tough he had uh liam pitchford lost in seven games really close match yeah um it was i would say that sometimes you have like seven game matches that are like you lose, but you feel like you outplayed it, outplayed the opponent. Yeah. I don't feel like that was the case with Pitchford. I think that Pitchford actually outplayed Canuck, and it wasn't as close as a seven-game match might seem. 
Mm. But then uh, Kanak played uh, Chian Chuan from Taiwan. Um, and that one he lost in seven games also. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that one I feel like Kanak actually outplayed him where he should have won that match. That was kind of disappointing mm. to see that one uh, fall apart. I think he was yeah, up I, three games to one and then kind of blew it. I think even though, like, yeah, even though he lost both of those matches, you can really tell that his um, his training over in Germany is really having an effect. Like, he played, I would say he played probably some of his best um, ping pong of, like, maybe his career. Yeah. He just happened to be against, like, really incredible people, too. Sorry, I said he was up 3-1. He was actually down 3-1 to uh, Chuan Chiwan from Taiwan and then came back. But it just seemed like he was really playing really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, in the final, uh, we had Fan Zhendong and Ma Long, that, uh, that same match that we've seen so many times. Um, this time it went, uh, it went Fan Zhendong's way. Um, and uh, I don't know what what did you think about the final? I actually watched I watched a ton of these matches, but I didn't watch the final. <laughs> I, Joey, uh, I know I I saw the results. I was like, I, here's the thing: like I there's so many <laughs> good matches leading up to it, and then it was China versus China. I was like, oh, and it, especially after watching the semi semifinal matches where yeah, Harimoto, Harimoto was playing uh, Ma Long. Was up three games to one, yeah, and five to four in the whatever fifth game, and Malong calls a timeout and does what China always does. They they call a timeout. I swear, there's like black magic going on with Chinese timeouts. Whenever they call a timeout, they always win. They they figure uh. they figure something out and they always come back and it's like magic every every single time. And hmm. Ma Long calls a timeout, down 5-4, down three games to one, yeah. and then comes out of the timeout and just dominates for the rest of the match. And uh, Haramoto loses four games to three. And so after watching that, it was like, I don't know, midnight when it ended or something. <laughs> and um, actually, I watched after that match, I watched the other semifinal with uh, Wu Jin Yang. I think that's how you say it from Korea. Zhang Wu Jin. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and then uh, played Fan Zendong and Fan yeah. pretty much crushed him. I think he actually gave up halfway through the match because it was just like just a killing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then it was a China versus China. And I'm sure it was a great match. It was four games to three. I saw that, but I yeah, I didn't watch the seven. actual match. So It almost went to deuce. Um, it was really close. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, and the the final was really interesting because I feel like there's a little bit of um, I feel like the semifinals are different types of games than kind of the China versus China finals because like the semifinal like I almost feel like I almost feel like if I if I can use the chess analogy again I almost feel like the semifinals are almost more of like when two players like chess players meet for the first time. And there's almost a lot of creativity. There's a lot of in the match, um, people trying things and figuring things out uh, because totally. they're not like they're not like playing this person for like the twenty millionth time. Whereas when it gets to like the final, especially when you look at like Malong versus Fun Jindong, they're like the top of the world. 
the the best players in the world and it's almost like the the strategies and the ways that they're trying to win become like become so small become like so subtle and so kind of like abstracted that like it it almost it's almost hard to understand like what's happening really mm-hmm. um i think like when i when i watched it i watched it i watched um one of the one of the supercuts where they cut things out and this was like almost a different type of supercut because they like they really cut out everything but like right when the the serve was happening and so like i was seeing these i was seeing these strategies that were playing out over multiple points it's like you know one player is kind of getting uh like like specifically i was finding like fun dong was really like in one point was really pushing the ball towards malong's um backhand and then the the point after that he was pretending to do the same thing and then he switched to the forehand and it was just like i just felt like there were these higher level strategies going on that like you almost don't see or notice in like other types of matches um which can be both interesting and not as interesting because it's not as like there's not as kind of like fun things happening um, as you would like see in in other matches. I think I, when like someone like uh, Harimoto plays Ma Long, yeah, Ma Long's a better player. He's got better technique. He's got stronger forehand, stronger like maybe not stronger backhand, but like. He's he's a better player, so yeah. Haramoto needs to be a little bit creative on on his strategies on in how to beat him. Where Ma Long yeah. and Fanzen Dong are like two machines, just yeah. like battle bots, just like punching each other in the face <laughs> over and over again, and like just kind of like a death match. And they're both so similar um, in in their techniques and like their fundamentals are just perfect. So yeah, they don't need to be as creative. It's just like a bludgeon bloodbath. <laughs> right. Right. I, I thought that I was wondering if, um, so, uh, they played the semifinal matches earlier in the day and then they played the finals at night. Um, Fon, uh, played, uh, Zhang Wujin and, uh, beat him four to zero. Um, but Malong played Harimoto and, and, went um to game seven and so i was almost wondering um considering like Dong took the final uh do you think that kind of playing a a tougher match in the beginning of the day would impact um kind of the match you're playing at night for sure it does um and it can impact you in one of two ways so the first way i always felt like when i had tough matches um, it'll, it'll wear you out, right? Your, your physical yeah. is, is drained. Um, especially if it's played in the same day. So it'll, it'll, your it'll wear you out physically, right. but if you, you can also help you. So when you have tough matches and you overcome like a three, one game deficit, it, it builds like a, a lot of confidence in you. And yeah. when you, you, you kind of figure out how to win, it's not like Ma Lin doesn't know, or Ma Long doesn't know how to win. He knows how to win, but even having tough matches leading up to the final, it kind of like strengthens that, um, and helps you to, to pull through, um, in the finals. So I don't, if you watch other sports, like, um, like college football, I love college sure. football. So, 
if you if you have a team that just like dominates the the competition all year long and then they get into the playoffs and then they play someone really tough they usually don't play as well where hmm. if you have a team that they win all their games and they dominate most of them but then they have some really tough ones where they've had to come back they've kind of figured out how to win and they uh, it actually helps them in the playoffs and those are the teams that usually win so uh, it's maybe a little bit not the same because your physical it's not all played in the same day kind of thing but i do think that those close games help you um but it'll just wear you out also so if you don't if you have some yeah. but maybe not too many <laughs> yeah so I mean, yeah. yeah. So Malong played Hiramoto and went seven games, and then later yeah. that day he had a seven-game match with Fan Zendong. So yeah. for sure, I mean, I guess not for sure, but I would think that he was definitely feeling physically drained at least a little bit, right? Even at the top level. Yeah, I feel like one of the one of the ways that uh, Fan kind of won that match is um, his down the line backhand. Uh, which he's he's kind of become has kind of become his trademark backhand in the past couple of years is just like to use your analogy well-oiled machine <laughs> like it's it's so killer when he just like when he just does it because it's it happens so quickly it takes uh the other player in this case Malong off guard and i feel like um him kind of using that uh backhand or even just a, like a cross from um where the player is again Malong in this case uh is really how he he won this and i also noticed that like a lot of players it seems like more than usual and maybe it's not but it seems like more than usual um in the men's world cup we're using these kind of like um cross shots or down the line shots where the player like wasn't and the players you know, a lot of times would just be caught flat-footed and wouldn't even, like, be able to go for it. I know, like, Harimoto, like, many different times um, playing against Malong and uh, Zhang Wujin for the uh, third and fourth place, um, you know, would just be caught flat-footed and just wouldn't even, <laughs> wouldn't even go for some of these shots that were, you know, the, the opposite of what he was um, expecting. Do you think there's more of those types of shots than usual? Uh, I did, did notice, you notice that? I did notice, especially in the women's, actually, the, the change of directions. Oh, okay. um, yeah. It was a little bit. I saw it with Kanak um, playing Qian Chuan from uh, Taiwan. Oh, yeah. A, where they were trying to change directions. And I felt like Kanak actually made a lot of unforced errors trying it and doing it, which is why yeah. I felt like he kind of should have won that match because he just erred out on it a lot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I did I did notice that. Um I did see it more more often than usual. I also another thing that I noticed was a lot of fast serves. Forever, people oh, have yeah. been serving a lot of short and just really tight serves. Where in this World Cup, I saw a lot of serving out and then just getting right into the rally, right, which yeah. is kind of interesting. So definitely, new strategies are are coming up. Uh, we're we're being seen at this at this World Cup. You see it yeah. every tournament, but it seemed like more so at this one, and I think maybe because it's been so long since okay. we've seen anyone playing. Yeah, I was kind of curious if if kind of um, the new types of rubbers might have, like Dignicks, for example, might have something to do with kind of the new um, techniques or strategies. Uh, it, I'm sure it plays into it for sure, actually, because the mm. like the. <laughs> 
the new Dignix is is so fast and it's so good in the rally that yeah. that's really where you want to be. So people are trying to get into the rally um, mm. as quickly as they can because the rubber that's what it's made for. So yeah. That's cool. Um, so to to do a little math again, um, I did more math about the uh, the matches uh, it, in terms of going to six or seven games. It, the disparity wasn't as much as um, the Women's World Cup, but in 2019, there were 15 matches for the Men's World Cup that went to six or seven games. And in 2020, there were 18. So not as many, but there were there were more. Um, so that was... That was also interesting. <laughs> I have, j- just as we're doing this podcast, I have the the knockout rounds, a single elimination. And just looking yeah. at it, it's like 4-2, 4-3, 4-2, 4-3, 4-3, 4-2. Like almost every one of these is like a seven-game match or six-game match. Yeah. So, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I love watching the close matches. I just wish that Haramoto would have beaten Malong. And I know, Kanak would have won his. <laughs> oh, the one. Oh, I wanted to mention this too. Um, Ma Long's high throw or high toss serve. Did you see any of these? Uh, I did. I, I guess it didn't stick out though. I, I remember so I seeing think, it. I think he started doing it after the um, after the timeout, and and uh, I saw a couple of people online mention it. I think it was kind of one of the things that um, changed his strategy because he doesn't. I, I can't think of any time that he's really done a high toss serve. You're talking really about is. against Harimoto. Yeah, against Harimoto. Ah, I guess I didn't yeah. notice it. He That's did it a few times with uh, Fan Zhendong, but um, with Harimoto, it was, it was very much like uh, timeout, and then he came back, and I think even the first serve after the timeout was a high-toss serve, which was just like, again, what, it's not something you expect like, from Malone. What, what haven't we seen yet? Okay, let's try a high toss serve and <laughs> like yeah. gold. It works in domination. Yeah, yeah. I swear they're like looking into a crystal ball or something on the side. <laughs> yeah. It happens every time. Like if you watch the Chinese play, there's two things. They always find a way to win. When it's close games, they always win the close games. Mm. And they always win after timeouts. Like they'll they'll be it'll be a close match. They'll call a timeout. And then they'll just like win three or four points right away after the time, and the game's basically over. It's like, what the heck did what just happened? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I remember playing against the Chinese when I was on the team on the US team, and same thing. It's been happening forever. All right, well, that is almost it for the episode. Um, the World Finals is next week uh, at the actually the end of this current week that we're in. And then the, um, world table tennis Macau is going to be the week after that. So, um, man, three weeks in a row, schedules. four weeks in a row, really? Yeah. Where is the world finals? Is that in China? It's also in China. It's not the same place as the world cup, but, um, that yeah, makes sense, right? Cause they're there for the world cup. Then the, the, the world finals will be in China. And then the, the Macau is technically in China, I think, uh, or right. pr- a part of China. Yeah. Um, so yeah, might yeah, as well I, just keep them all there. Yeah. I think that the, the, what I'm looking forward to in the world finals is that the, um, the players will be different. Like it's, it's a lot of the same players, but it's not all of the same players. Um, as the World Cups will be some. What exactly is the World Finals? Is that the World Championships or the World Cup Finals or uh, Pro <laughs> Tour Finals? What is what is the World Finals? I haven't researched that yet. 
Yeah, so it's it's it it's supposed to take the place of the um of the uh world tour finals. Typically, you know, they um they do that at the end and then they take the results of like the platinum opens and things like that, but since they had like two or less than that this year, they kind of renamed it. So it's just kind of the world finals, yeah. Okay, gotcha. It's kind of yeah, like I'm an Im- odd year's so there coming up with new names <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm imagining because the champion the like world table tennis championships um which was supposed to happen in korea this year um they've moved it to it's currently february next year and so i think they kind of because of the uh, Man, i guess the, me. the politics and the money that has changed hands they can't just say okay well korea you don't get it anymore and we just do it in um in Houston. China with this Chinese bubble thing. Oh, so. yeah, okay. That makes sense. So I'm guessing... But then what's going to happen they, in Houston? Man, this is scaring me. I know, right? Oh. I mean, if you look at next year's schedule, because I looked at it because I was curious if they'd kind of put the world table tennis events on there yet. There's only one event, and it's the 2020 World Championships in Korea in February. The, the Houston is not on there right now. Oh my gosh. And knowing the people who are in charge of USATT, I doubt that they're pushing very hard for it just because I have way too much experience with them. <laughs> yeah, Man, well, I would imagine the, I, the city. I hope they of, do it. Yeah, the city. Yeah. I would imagine the city of Houston cares more about it because that's, um, you know, tourism money that they would want. Um, but I mean, they'd get you know, my if, tourist money for sure. <laughs> well, if, if, if the current state of like the pandemic is any um, indicator, I can't really imagine that like it's, you know, things are going to be back to normal uh, in 2021 at all. Um, Didn't they just announce the vaccine though? I forget which company they, that's the, yes. like something. Well, we don't want <laughs> we don't want to have news in this, but yeah, Pfizer has a 90% um, effective vaccine. Okay. Uh, some podcasts that I've listened to, not like conspiracies theorist podcasts, but uh, news podcasts have said talking to people who know about it say probably 2022 is what oh we're looking gosh. at. Gosh, to get man. to get enough to the, like, people vaccinated where it matters. Hmm. I heard they're going to give it to like military first or something, and then like the people who need it most, first responders, first and, yeah, first responders, then like elderly yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I just hope they, I hope they push it, push it back enough to where um, uh, my wife and I feel comfortable traveling. <laughs> we can go um, and attend because if it's if it's anything like it is right now, um, in terms of how rampant the virus is spreading, I we would not go to Houston if it was there. Mm. Yeah, hopefully, so. hopefully by then it'll be cleared up. I mean, who knows, right? I, this was supposed to be like a two week lockdown and now we're like six yeah. months in and yeah, like, I did not no, think no we progress. Would be where we are. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, well, the, the thing that was also surprising, I mean, it was, we have, we had four events in November. There are none in December, which is surprising. I thought maybe that this was an indication of things are going to international table tennis is going to start uh, back, but it, it doesn't, seem to be starting back. It seems like this was a um, unique event with the China bubble and people being able to internationally travel and then stay in um, 
in China and quarantine, but uh, it definitely helps that it's that all of these events are in China because the, right. the quarantine is just too much. If you have to if you have to quarantine for two weeks for every tournament, like it's just yeah. impossible. So they could just host them all here, host the the worlds in Houston, host the World Cup in Salt Lake City, host the uh, the World Finals in I don't know. California. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, Liam, Liam Pitchford, when he was doing some commentating for the men's world cup, he mentioned a little bit about how the, um, kind of China bubble quarantine process worked. And he was mentioning that what was really hard is when he first traveled, um, he had to like quarantine in the hotel room. It wasn't like quarantine in front of a, a table that he could practice. He like couldn't practice for, I don't know if it was a full two weeks, but it was at least a period of time. Which, wow, when you're when you're preparing for a huge tournament, um, not being able to practice is like a horrible. <laughs> yeah, and talk about cabin fever. If you're just in your hotel or whatever, like your hotel yeah. room, man, that would be yeah. miserable. <laughs> I need yeah, to for sure. Even like at home, I need to be like, all right, we're going for a drive, or I'm going for a drive. I'm just gonna <laughs> drive around or go for a little walk or do something. Just get out of the house because I've been working from home. So, yeah, and I just I I get stir crazy. So I can't for imagine sure. being locked up into a hotel room, not being able yep. to play ping pong with it. Yeah, biggest tournament of the year in two weeks or whatever. Yeah. So, um, well, cool. Well, uh, for our December episode, we will have the world finals and world table tennis Macau to talk about, um, which will be nice. And then we'll have to get creative after that again, uh, with our episodes, That's okay. uh, having uh, much to talk about. Um, so there, we'll anyways, find stuff. it'll be, it'll be fun. We'll get somebody on here maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Any, uh, last words? Uh, no, thanks for watching. And it's good to catch up on all the TT and, have something to watch and to talk about. So it's been good. It's been a good month. Joey, thanks for watching. You are you are too in the YouTube land. I'm what? You're too far. You're oh, too yeah. far in the YouTube land. It's I'm thanks for listening. This is a podcast. Nobody oh, yeah. sees anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. And we will talk to you next month. See ya. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>